This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. It's Ozarks at Large for Friday, April 28th, 23. I am Kyle Kellens. With me on the phone from his office in Fort Smith is Michael Tilley. Michael, happy Friday. Happy Friday. That's that's um, is that an oxymoron? Happy Friday. I mean, that, that just kind of goes together. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we have had a rainy week throughout the KUAF listening area, <laughs> and I know when folks at the Peak Center see rain, they have to be a little bit concerned because we continue to have flooding problems at, with the Peak Center. Yeah, well, we're all concerned, especially those of us taxpayers in the school district. Um, you know, we had um, we've had several floods again, um, which is somewhat disconcerting because we thought we were assured by the school district that they had that under control, apparently not, but now they do, so they tell us. Um, and they recently, uh, at, at a April 24th board meeting, kind of unveiled a plan, and, and it roughly adds up to about $4 million in cost uh, to kind of fix the flooding. It's, uh, it involves elevating some property, in, uh, which will uh, allow them to put in some more parking spaces. So if there's a silver lining to this, that's it. If there's a silver lining to that rain cloud, I guess that's it. But um, they'll add detention ponds and some other items, rework some drives, um, driveways, and some other things. Um, and it's about $3.9 million, just under $4 million, or probably over $4 million once it's all said and done. And let's hope this is it. Uh, Kyle, I, you know, uh, by way of reminder, um, you know, we had a story several months ago, maybe a year ago now, in which um, school officials were told before the renovation began on the Peak Center that their plans um, wouldn't address flooding, that they that there was a survey that said flooding could be a problem. They were even told by some contractor that they didn't have a water vapor, an adequate water vapor under the slab and probably need to reduce or, or remove and replace all the parts of the slab. And they didn't want to do any of those things that were recommended up front. So, you know, one of the things we're watching is to see if we get um, a good assessment. They've hired an engineering firm um, to assess it. And we're here to see if they acknowledge that any of those things they were told about early on are the problem and if they are then then there ought to be some consequences to not doing what maybe they should have up front but we'll see this is a very valuable um asset to the force yeah. public school district and the region it brings in folks from around the area and i'm one of those folks who believe in skills training, a good skills training regimen for any school district. And this Peak Center um, provides that or is set up to provide that. And so hopefully they get this flooding issue under control so that that kind of education, which I think is very important, can go on uninterrupted. We'll keep our eye on that. Keeping our eye on the sales tax reports from Fort Smith. Hey, they keep going up. Uh, First quarter of the year, what, up 8%? Or more. Yeah, yeah, up 8.2% the first quarter. And this is the Fort Smith share of the 1% Jackson County sales tax. Yeah, it's, uh, it's for the first three reporting months, it's collected a little over $6 million, 8.2% more than last year. Uh, the March report um, 
collected 1.8 million, almost 1.9 million. That was up over 12 or 12 and a half percent. And this is, you know, I just, I continue to just doubt my ability to kind of look at an economy and see where it may be going. However, I'm somewhat um, um, pleased that the city also kind of got it wrong. They, they had budgeted for uh, considerably less than that. So the money came in even uh, 10%, over 10% more than they had budgeted. So it's not just me thinking that at some point the consumer is going to slow down. And also this increase, we, we do have to factor in inflation, which is around 5% more than it was a year ago. That inflation trend line is going down. It's moving in the right direction. So, you know, not all of this gain can be attributed to inflation. Um, and a, really kind of two things to note, Kyle, is not only are these returns continuing to be um, impressive, but remember they're <laughs> – they're impressive up against what were impressive numbers last year. So uh, that's what kind of continues to confound me. And also, uh, by way of reminder again, um, this does not mean the city is flush with money or any city is flush right. with money. You know, a city also has cost increases, uh, you know, materials that for roads, for the, in, in Fortune's case, for the consent decree, um, you know, personnel costs, their costs are going up just like, Everybody else's costs are going up. So I can. The only reason I say that is um, not always, but often I'll get an email or a text from someone who says, "This is what we need to reduce taxes because the city's just got way too much money." Like, well, no, but thanks for the thanks for the comment, but no. <laughs> so, um, but 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 the, I mean, uh, it continues to be impressive, and I think you ask every economist or watch CNBC. And you'll get a wide variety of answers as to when or if the consumer will continue to spend or will slow down or when the economy goes into recession. It's, it's kind of anybody's guess at this point. Well, you know who else has uh, consistent rising costs? That's a university like the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith. You've started a three-part series at TalkBusiness.net about budgeting and finances for uh, UAFS. Yep, and it's and it won't be just University of Arkansas Fort Smith. It'll be all of these schools in the UA system. Mm. Um, uh, I'll try to summarize this because it's somewhat complex. But um, essentially, the universities, all universities, had some financial flexibility during the pandemic. For example, they could use reserves. They could use other funds. They had access to some special federal programs that were passed because of the pandemic. Um, to help with costs. So they were able to um, hold tuition, you know, at the same rate. And in fact, the University of Arkansas Fort Smith is often brags about having the lowest tuition uh, in the state. Um, but uh, those days are kind of over for UAFS for now. They're probably going to have to raise tuition. Their proposal is um, like 7.5% roughly tuition increase that would take um, a per credit hour rate from around 175 to up to 188. Um, they may also they they're planning on instituting hiring freeze. They're not sure that all faculty and staff will be able to get a pay raise this year. So, um, so and also remember in the previous um, general election that the uh, voters 
did not renew uh, right. that course sales tax that was passed when the university became a university. So that's about a $6 million a year hit. Um, so they're factoring all that in. Um, Tina Dale, the reporter on this, had a good lengthy interview with Dr. Riley, Dr. Teresa Riley, who's the chancellor. And she's very open, upfront, and transparent, which um, is is expected of a public official. But sometimes in our line of work, it's not always what we get. So it was refreshing um, to get that from, from Dr. Riley. But she essentially said, yeah, this is hard. But this is the situation we're in. She also explained, too, that um, the university is not in, you know, dire financial straits. And she right. said their financial situation is good. You know, they have good foundation reserves, that kind of thing. But with the way the UA system requires them to budget and with uh, the potential of de- declining enrollment um, and the, some of those federal funds going away, they're just having to make some changes. And they're not all, all going to be easy. Uh, and they're not all going to be popular. And um, there will be two more parts in this series that you can find at talkbusiness.net. Michael Tilley joins us almost every Friday to review some of the items from the Newsweek. Michael, thanks as always. Hey, you're welcome, sir. Little Wing Productions presents Dave Mason coming to the City Auditorium in Eureka Springs Thursday, July 27th at 7.30 p.m. Reserve tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at tickets.thundertix.com. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents Diego Rivera's America, the first major exhibition focused solely on the Mexican artist in over 20 years. It features his works, digital projections of his murals, and three major paintings by Frida Kahlo. On view now through July 31st. Tickets at crystalbridges.org. Later today on the show, Northwest Arkansas Ballet Theater is taking a brand new collection of choreographers on the road all over Northwest Arkansas. When um, I was being interviewed by the board of directors of NWA Ballet Theater, they asked me what my vision for the company was, and I said, well, it's clearly a regional company, NWA, so my vision would be to make sure that we're serving all the people within NWA, at least you know, a handful of those cities. You know, and um, so I got right on it and, you know, went to Rogers, you know, talked to people there and here in Fayetteville. Northwest Arkansas Ballet Theater Artistic Director Stephen Wynn explains why the production Radiant will be in four different cities for a local tour beginning tomorrow. That's later today on Ozarks at Large. In the background is a group of high school students from around Northwest Arkansas, part of the Jazz All-Star Youth Ensemble doing Poinciana. And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. We'll hear more from the All-Stars. They'll be performing this Sunday at Walton Arts Center. We'll also hear from Conrad Herwig, Dexter Gordon, and much more. Tune into Shades of Jazz right here on KUAF. Shades of Jazz tonight at 10 on 91.3 KUAF, then tomorrow from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. on KUAF 3. You can find KUAF 3 for free on your digital radio at KUAF.com, on the free KUAF app for iPhone, and by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF 3. This is a Friday edition of Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman is co-authoring a bill designed to make the National Weather Service update methods for predicting tornadoes 
and for communicating weather alerts to the public. The Tornado Observation Research Notification and Deployment Operations, or Tornado Act, would require the agency to implement new technology and procedures that could help increase lead times provided to the public ahead of dangerous storms. Eight Republicans and one Democrat are co-sponsors of the bill. This week marked the beginning of construction on the Bentonville Public Library's almost $17 million expansion. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports that the project includes a bigger children's department, a reimagined teen zone with study spaces, and outdoor spaces. The Bentonville Public Library will add nearly 23,000 square feet to its facility. The project began in 2021, and Hattie Dudley, the library's director, says officials began seeing a need for the library's expansion in 2018. Several years into this facility, we kind of realized that we might have been a little undersized, especially in the youth services area, especially as more young families moved to Bentonville coming here for the schools and work, we really saw an influx of families and young families. And one thing about uh, Bentonville that I've noticed is that our people like to do things together as a family unit. So we see lots and lots of families. Dudley says there are at least 300,000 library visitors annually, and construction on the library is scheduled to end in the summer of 2024. Bentonville Public Library is not the only library to recently grow its facilities in northwest Arkansas. Fayetteville Public Library expanded and opened in 2021. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Anna Pope. Carroll Electric Cooperative in Berryville is building a new 31-mile-long transmission line from Dry Creek Switching Station south of Green Forest to the Smyrna Transmission Distribution Substation near Huntsville. The $25 million project went through public notice in the summer of 2019, according to Corey Smith, the co-op's vice president of public relations. Arkansas Public Service Commission issued a certificate of environmental compatibility and public need for the proposed project last September. The project, approved two months later, will be financed through rural utility service low-interest loans. Engineer Neil Rushing, operational support supervisor for Carroll Electric, says there is an existing facility substation. At Dry Creek, which is the Carroll County uh segment of this section of transmission line and we've ex- we have experienced and are anticipating stronger experiences of voltage fluctuation low voltages etc primarily in the Carroll Madison County areas so this uh, approximately 31 mile project connecting existing uh, section dry creek at the north to Uh, The Smyrna segment to the south in Madison County should help to alleviate a lot of these concerns. Rushing says nearly 500 acres of private property easements have been secured for the project, with crews starting to clear brush and trees along the route. Certain aspects uh, of the construction are already underway, uh, primarily the, the vegetation management aspects, uh, and then we we expect this to be largely a 2024 uh, project. Of course, most of that is dependent on, you know, certain construction components being finalized, such as uh, assignment of aspects of the construction uh, to certain groups, and then 
uh, equipment and materials. Carroll Electric Co-op is a member of Arkansas Electric Cooperative Corporation, headquartered in Little Rock, which sells wholesale energy to 17 member cooperatives, serving 500,000 customers across 62% of the land area in Arkansas. Razorback great Mike Conley will be inducted into the Collegiate Athlete Hall of Fame as part of the 2023 class. Conley was a standout long jumper and triple jumper for Arkansas in the mid-80s, winning nine NCAA national titles. His NCAA indoor triple jump record lasted for 28 years until broken earlier this year by another Arkansas Razorback, Jaden Hibbert. Conley won the silver medal at the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics, then earned the gold at the 92 Barcelona Games. Conley is the second Razorback to enter the Collegiate Athlete Hall of Fame after Eric Walder, who was part of last year's inaugural class to the Hall. And for the 20th consecutive year, the Razorback women's golf team will play in the NCAA regionals. The NCAA announced this week Arkansas is the eighth seed at the 12-team regional at the PGA National Resort in Florida. Arkansas will need to finish in the top five to advance to the NCAA championships. Play in the Florida Regional starts May 8th. Northwest Arkansas Ballet Theater is returning to the stage. Stages, actually, this spring after a pandemic-caused absence. The company will start a four-city tour of Northwest Arkansas tomorrow night at the Fayetteville Public Library. Between tomorrow and late May, the new show, Radiant, will be in four cities with five new pieces and six total performances. After tomorrow in Fayetteville, there will be chances to catch Radiant at the Cash Studios in Bentonville May 6th and 7th, at the Medium in Springdale May 11th, and at Arkansas Public Theater in downtown Rogers May 19th and 20th. This week, we invited the new artistic director of Northwest Arkansas Ballet Theater, Stephen Wynn, to come to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to talk about the five new choreographies he's prepared for Radiant and to talk about the idea to take the performances to four different cities in the region. When um, I was being interviewed by the board of directors of NWA Ballet Theater, they asked me what my vision for the company was, and I said, well, it's clearly a regional company, NWA, so my vision would be to make sure that we're serving all the people within NWA, at least, you know, a handful of those cities, you know? And um, so I got right on it and, you know, went to Rogers, you know, talked to people there and here in Fayetteville and in Bentonville and then, of course, in Springdale and, you know, tried to find the best places for us to perform. We had a very sort of shoestring budget, so I had to find places that were that were willing to work with us. And um, and off we go. And <laughs> that was it. What does that mean, though, for Radiant, that it will be in different venues? I mean, do you have to adapt then if you're at the library or the medium or cash headquarters? Wow. Great question, Kyle. It sounds like you have some experience here. <laughs> Not in dancing, no. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, the stage sizes are all f pretty different. I mean, significantly different. So, yes. So, there are some techniques that we use um, as dancers, choreographers to adopt to smaller venues. And um, some of those is you, you sort of replace the value of space with texture, 
And so texture in the movement you means you bring more resistance mm. in the movement and hence it looks bigger. Okay. Yeah, so it's a it's a value exchange. So if you don't have space, you got to bring an extra texture to the movement. And um, so we're going to open with um, a table for four. So this is a choreography that shows um, how people um, interact with one another in sort of random situations. So the story is that, the loose story is that uh, four uh, people um, have this wonderful meeting that they're anticipating at a restaurant. And they're all going to meet that particular person at the restaurant. So they all come in at different times and end up in sort of this waiting area. And um, none of that, none of those parties show up. So all the friends or partners or significant others never show up. And so they're a little hostile with one another at first because they have to find a way to unpack their disappointment. But then sort of, uh, the, no pun intended, but the tables turn and they find some comfort with one another and they begin to tell their story, you know, how they got to there, uh, to where they are today and to, and to question their own judgment in a way, you know, because how did I allow myself to, to get to this situation where I trusted someone so much that I sort of put my all my heart into this situation, and now I'm stood up. Now I'm alone, you know? So they, they go down this great pathway together and sort of unpack that, and they become these friends. They become these acquaintances. They become this force that they encourage one another, um, and moving forward, they then leave and they sort of take their chair with them, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, as a as a souvenir of their success, you know, at the end. So it's an interesting piece and it has three different pieces of music that travel with them along the way. And um, each one depicts the, that certain um, tra emotional trajectory that they're in. That's just the first piece. That's just the first piece. What follows that? So after that, it's definitely more simple, sort of fun, easy. Um, it is, um, and it doesn't really have a story except that it's sort of a, a visual depiction of how I am as a choreographer affected by this music. And so it's, that's why I say it's easy. It's sort of straightforward. You know, it sort of follows the music, the composition, follows the lyrics, and it's sort of a a choreographic depiction of Weber's genius. <laughs> so it's interesting. It sounds to me like the first piece, Table for Four, you might have had concept, then looked for the music that could accompany what eventually became your three-dimensional idea. Whereas the second one, the music came first, and now I want to put the choreography with that. I couldn't say it better myself. All right, this brings us to Emerge, yes. which I have to ask about because, and I wouldn't give this away except it's in the publicity photo. Yes. The skirt. The skirt, yes. It's, okay, tell me about this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so um, the skirt is, um, I've had in, I've have, I have uh, two or three large skirts. This is the, 
this is the 20 foot version. I have a 40 foot version also. Oh, so if this is the large skirt, the next one, the 40 foot must be the yeah. It covers it, it covers the whole stage. Wow. The 40 foot one covers okay. the whole stage. So um, when I when I lived overseas and danced in Europe for 16 years. We, uh, I was introduced to a whole different way that the choreographers there approach dance. And a lot of it was um, very dependent on sets and costuming, like very elaborate sets and costuming. And so I, I became really um, enthralled with that. You know, I just thought, oh, my gosh, these are like – it's like another appendage. It, it's like another um, – level it brings dance to another place you know and um so i often when i can use sets or mm -hmm. use props and so this is a costume slash prop um, because it's not just covering the body it also covers beyond the body and um so the the, the idea of the piece now was to uh to depict um, the anatomy of a rise and fall, if you will. So the person carrying the skirt, the person wearing the skirt, is basically the person in charge. So that is, if that's, you know, head of a family, um, the leader of the pack of friends, if that's the government or who, you know, whatever it is, it, it, it represents the person in authority, Gotcha. And um, so you're wearing the skirt. You're the person in authority. So it it um, a crown of sorts. Yeah, a crown of sorts. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I love that analogy. I didn't think of that because I was going to put a crown on this person oh. too. Oh. Yes, oh. and um, so the idea was um, uh, a transfer of power. So so the um, so. One power is declining, and the other one comes and rises to that to that position of power. So I call it an anatomy of, of rise and rise and fall. And um, the the part that I like about it is that the struggle that is in there, and you know, with the person representing the uh, the powers that be wearing the skirt, um, she has to take the skirt off. You know, she's sort of forced to take the skirt, so she doesn't do it by her own will. She sees that um, her ideas and her vision has become um, obsolete, no longer relevant. And so a, a group, a coalition of three people then take control. Not really a coup. It's not violent or anything like that. It's more like, it, it, it's more like you know that the person in charge realizes that that day is done. Time has come. Yes, time has mm -hmm. come, yes. And the other, and the co the three coalition group um, is more than happy. But what they- Ready. You know, more than happy and ready. Yeah. But the coalition group, what they don't realize is that there is a, um, there's a, a right of process, you know, a right of a right to uh, to take on that and to wear that, you know, that mantle, that skirt, and so they have this. They after the skirt comes off, the way they she covers them with the skirt, and um, and then they have to, if you will, sort of go through this, if you will, birth canal and come out of it and squeeze out of it, and it's very dramatic at that moment where you see. The person who wore the skirt originally now is 
sort of limp on the floor, and you see these three bodies coming out of the skirt that once was. So it's sort of like a um, um, caterpillar butterfly right. experience. Metamorphosis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what is it like for the dancer who has a 20-foot skirt on, <laughs> has to remove it, and has to, to wrap it around three fellow dancers? That's yeah, not... Easy? No, yeah, I mean we, you know, it, it has to. It, it covers them. So she, we practice a lot with the material I because imagine. the material is like a, a, another arm and a leg, you know. So once she throws the skirt over them and they're covered, um, the power comes out of her, and, and she's sort of like the Wicked Witch of the West, sort of melts, mm. you know. And then that's where the other, the other three, that coalition emerge through the waistline of, of the skirt. And um, so, yeah, to, to get back and, and to circle around back to the, it is, it's a technique. And there, there's different, as you see in the, the poster, there's different uh, colors and material sort of patchwork in the, in the skirt. So it's purposefully done that way. So you know I'm going to get this corner of that of that turquoise color and I'm going to grab the orange here uh, in the see. middle. So uh, that's easier than had it been one color. <clears throat> exactly. Because yeah. you just can't you don't have any orientation right. to where the material is, you know, at that point. So it's really um, it's it's part of the sort of production idea that this needs to have certain um, um, positionings like GPSs, you know, <laughs> for the for the <laughs> skirt positions. Where can people find out more? They can go um, to um, nwaballettheater.org and scroll into the performance and tickets navigation and scroll down to Spring Tour. And there you'll see all the six performances, and you click on that icon with that date on it, and it'll open up to a, a Stubbs page, and you can purchase your ticket right there. So just an easy navigation to nwaballettheater.org. Congratulations on the show. Welcome to Northwest Arkansas. Thank you, Kyle. I'm glad to be here. Stephen Wynn is the Artistic Director for Northwest Arkansas Ballet Theater, and he was in the Carver Center for Public Radio earlier this week to talk about Radiant. Tomorrow's performance at the Fayetteville Public Library begins at 7.30, and additional shows throughout Northwest Arkansas will be staged through May 20th. The company's website is nwaballettheater.org. This is Ozarks at Large. KUAF is supported by Dr. Kathleen Wong, a psychiatrist providing infusion therapy for treatment of depression and anxiety disorders. Following NIMH protocol, studies show ketamine infusion therapy can reduce suicidal ideation and is an effective alternative when other treatments fail. drkathleenwong.com for more information. Support for KUAF comes from Westwood Gardens, a family-owned garden center with four locations in northwest Arkansas. Westwood plants are grown locally and offer a variety of annuals, perennials, hanging baskets, and more. Westwoodgardens.com for information. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio, along with Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Live and in person. And, Becca, let me ask you something. Mm. Is there a theater department at Northwest Arkansas Community College? There is. And thank you so much for that segue. <laughs> How brilliant of you. I spied your script. I you knew what you wanted to did. talk about. I love their new drama teacher. 
She's only been there a semester. Her name is Stephanie Freeman, and she is so enthusiastic. And she's got street cred. And she says her message for fans of live theater is NWAC Theater is here, and our students are amazing. And they have a production approaching. They have a production coming up. This weekend, so you have tonight and tomorrow night only to see it. It's called Circle Mirror Transformation. And it was off-Broadway in 2009 and got an Obie Award for Best New American Play. Okay. Here's the premise. The, the characters in the play are students in an adult acting class. All right. And it's awkward. Okay. They do awkward things. (laughs) Now, this isn't an improv class. It's an acting class. Right. Okay. And they do, you know, some of the the acting exercises that we've all gone through that are hideously awkward and funny. And there's a romance that does or doesn't work out. And it should be... A really good chance. They have essentially a drama major where you do all of the stuff you're supposed to learn. Mm-hmm. And so this is a really good chance to see what they're learning. This sounds challenging to me because you've got to be an actor who's acting that you're acting right. and acting poorly, I imagine. Right. I don't think that sounds easy to me. No, I don't think it does okay. either. I don't think it does either. And I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. This is a comedy? Ish. Well, one hopes so. Okay. <laughs> yes, I right. think. Okay. I think dramedy because there is some okay. drama in it. But right. yeah, it is tonight and tomorrow night at seven o'clock at White Auditorium in Burns Hall. Really mm-hmm. nice hall. Yeah, it is. Tickets are eight dollars at the door. Get yourself you can to White Hall. That. Get there. Also this weekend, Chicken and Biscuits at Theater Squared. Yes. Have you seen it yet? No, I'm going next Saturday, a week from tomorrow. I hear the set is amazing and the show is hilarious the concept is that two rival sisters are trying to bury their father without killing each other first well we have all been in something similar to that situation yes yes. 7 30 tuesday through saturday and two on saturday and sunday through may 14th and tickets start at 20 dollars. it's yards and yards of yard sales in eureka springs today and tomorrow and this is like Every yard. Yeah, has, I don't know how many okay. they have. You can go to the chamber office, Hart's Family Center, or any gas station in town and get a map. Okay. It's also yard sale weekend today and tomorrow in Bella Vista. And they have something like 300 households signed up. You can get addresses at www.bellavistaar.gov slash residents. The Shiloh Singers, who are the legacy of the Art Center of the Ozarks, are performing at 7 o'clock tonight their Feel the Spirit Spring Concert at First United Methodist Church in Springdale, and that's free. Mm. It's the Arkansas Pie Festival Saturday. Cherokee Village? Cherokee Village. You can find out more at ArkansasPieFestival.com. The Arkansas Air and Military Museum in Fayetteville is doing the Wings and Wheels Fly-In Car Show and Free Museum Day Saturday. They're going to have a $7 pancake breakfast, a $10 chicken platter lunch, mm. And awards at 3 o'clock. Okay. The Botanical Garden of the Ozarks has its plant sale on Saturday from 9 to 4. 
There's a walk and talk on Saturday at 10 o'clock at the Fayetteville Public Library with J.B. Hogan talking about the good, the bad, and the in-between. And then on Sunday, the Spring Makers Market happens with 250 artists, crafters, bakers, makers from 10 to 4 at the Washington County Fairgrounds in Fayetteville. Free admission, parking is $5. You could take a big van out this weekend (laughs) and bring it home full. (laughs) You sure could. And you know where I'll be. All right, Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Do you have an old car sitting around, and are you looking for a hassle-free way to get rid of it while making a tax-deductible charitable contribution? Donate it to KUAF. We work with cars, charitable adult rides, and services to provide you with this unique way to support our programs. All you have to do is call 855-500-RIDE. That's 855-500-7433. Or visit careasy.org and schedule a pickup. This is Ozarks at Large. With me is Courtney Lanning, who is going to review a new film. Courtney, welcome back to the show. Kyle, thanks for having me. And you're not just reviewing any movie based on a book this week. This is a book that I think if if you ever went to middle school or junior high, boy or girl, you've at least heard of this book. Yes, this movie is more than 50 years in the making. And I would guarantee that just about everybody who has read a book knows the name Judy Bloom. And if you know Judy Bloom, you know this title. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. This is a book that, right, it's it, it, not only about rites of passage, it's kind of a rite of passage for many young readers. It is. I am constantly surprised. Uh, Whenever I hear the varying ages of people who have read this book, people who are picking it up today for the first time, people who are retired now but remembered reading it when they were a little kid, this is a movie that is for all the fans of the 1970 Judy Bloom classic. Uh, It's united generations through blunt talk on things like girls going through puberty and first crushes and trying to find their own religious beliefs. It's... For a while there, and maybe in some parts, it still is a taboo book. Oh, I think <laughs> I think in 2023, it's finding itself on lists again. Here is, I think, the challenge. Whenever you have one of these books that's decades old, that has meant something to young readers, be it Catcher in the Rye or maybe Lord of the Flies or Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Can a filmed version live up to the beloved reputation the book has with so many people? Right. So if you ask me... How many movie adaptations from books do I think turned out better than the books? It's a pretty short list, Mm -hmm. right? The only one that comes to mind at this point is Ready Player One. That's Mm -hmm. the only movie that I can think of in recent memory that I thought, hey, I really didn't like that book, but the movie was pretty fun. I don't know if this is recent memory, but I would say John Ford's Grapes of Wrath in 1939 was as good, if not better, than John Steinbeck's novel. Well, you know, Kyle, I'm not going to take the obvious joke there. Okay. I I am very surprised that you remember going to theaters to see that one. We'll, we'll move on. Okay. The, you're right. When it comes to adapting such a beloved novel, people are going to be asking, how can it live up to the hype? You mm-hmm. know, because the book has 50 plus years of hype attached to it. And here's how you do it. You attach big star names that people are comfortable with, like Rachel McAdams mm-hmm. and Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. And you set the book in the original time period. Thank goodness. I'm glad it's not updated. 
Right. No, this is set right there in 1970. Uh, follows Margaret on her journey moving from New York City to the suburbs of New Jersey and navigating all the things that girls go through in adolescence. We've talked about how the movie unites generations. That's a good movie for, you know, multi-generational viewing. Go with your folks, go with your aunt, go with your grandparents. I don't know. Absolutely. You know, keeping the story rooted in the 70s really helped match the story to the book that came before. It's a heartwarming story that any tween or any adult who remembers their tween years will appreciate, even if they've gone to see The Grapes of Wrath in theaters. For the record, I didn't see it in a theater. It was on television, so. Just, okay. Okay. Just want to point that out. Uh, a black and white television. It may have been, actually. It may have been the first time I saw it on a black. I mean, it's a black and white film, but it may have been. So you're saying that 50 years in the making, despite all the potential problems that can, can come from an adaptation of a, of a beloved book like this, this is thumbs up. You'd recommend it. Oh, absolutely. This is a very emotional film. Um, I think it has something for everybody. Uh, and it absolutely should be required watching, regardless of how old you are. Uh, there's also, on Disney Plus this weekend, something coming out. It's, a, it's another remake of one of their classics. Yes, Disney is taking another swing at yet another live-action adaptation of an animated classic with Peter Pan and Wendy. Peter Pan, the original, of course, uh, their original, came out in 1953 as a surprisingly creepy and somewhat inappropriate moments movie if you go back and watch it now. But the new one, thankfully, is free of that and treats its indigenous cast members a little better. Good. And it opens this week on Disney+. Plus. All right, so it's a thumbs up for Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. You can read Courtney's full review of the Peter Pan remake in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Courtney, I look forward to talking to you next week. Kyle, thanks for having me. The Community Creative Center presents the Arkansas Pottery Festival May 5th through the 7th. This three-day exhibition and pottery sale will feature over 50 potters from around the state, an exhibition of masterworks from private ceramics collections, and more. An event schedule is available online at communitycreativecenter.org. Little Wing Productions presents Dave Mason coming to the City Auditorium in Eureka Springs Thursday, July 27th at 7.30 p.m. Reserve tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. at tickets.thundertix.com. Monday on Ozarks at Large will mark the 22nd anniversary of a story that gripped all of Arkansas and people well beyond the state. The six-year-old girl has been found alive in the remote area of Newton County. Channel 7's Jason Peterson is live tonight at the command post. And Jason, this is some very good news. Boy, is it ever good news. Here's the latest from the scene. We'll bring you the latest information. As you mentioned, six-year-old Haley Zaga has been found inside the four-and-a-half-mile search area that was mapped out. Now, she was deep inside the search area. The search and rescue of a six-year-old girl lost in the deep Newton County forest, a story that reached its amazing conclusion 22 years ago Monday. Randy Dixon with the Prior Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History brings us archives from then and interviews from now about the search for Haley. That's on Mondays, Ozarks at Large, at noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF, and you can take us with you by downloading or subscribing to the Ozarks at Large podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Community Spotlight Week in Review on KUAF. I'm Pete Hartman. We heard from some Community Spotlight veterans this week, as well as some new voices to the segment. 
On Wednesday, Trailblazers stopped by the Nancy Blair Operations Studio to discuss all of their planned events for Bike Month, which is coming up in May. Remember, Trailblazers works to make our area trails, sidewalks, any active transportation infrastructure available to all in our communities. Again this year, they are offering the National Bike Challenge. Here's Lauren Hildreth, a Senior Manager of Community Programs at Trailblazers. The National Bike Challenge, we've been hosting that as Trailblazers for the region for a number of years now, starting back in 2018 officially. And we use a platform called Love to Ride. Okay. And so folks need to go to the Love to Ride site. They can access that through Trailblazers social media, through the Trailblazers website, or directly to Love to Ride to register. So those who've done it in the past have an account. They just need to go back in and click that they're participating in this year's challenge. And then they can log their rides. In addition, Lauren says Trailblazers is excited to be working with area cities on what's called the Bike Benefits Program. Yes, so the city of Fayetteville and Dane Eiflings, uh, the mobility coordinator, decided to invest in providing businesses in Fayetteville with this starter kit for the Bicycle Benefits Program. It is a national program, and so once you participate, which is just getting a sticker that you put on your helmet, uh, you show up to any participating business, and they have discounts and incentives for anyone who shows up using a bike or other means of active transportation. Lauren Hildreth with Trailblazers. For more on their Bike Month events coming up in May, wearetrailblazers.org. Tomorrow, Saturday, April 29th, the Trillium Salon Series will offer a unique musical experience the National Touring Act of Lake Mary will be teamed up with local musician Chaz Knapp. Here's Katie Henriksen with Trillium. I wanted to redefine the, the boundary between audience and performer for these kinds of musical experiences that we more traditionally see as concert hall or high art experiences. Yeah, so Lake Mary is also a ch is run by someone who's named Chaz as well. He is based out of Columbia, Missouri. It's an evening of ambient transcendence. And so Lake Mary's long-form compositions and improvisations for acoustic, electric, and lap, skill, lap steel guitar, their boundless meditations on landscapes, riverways, wildlife, and all these things from American West. Chaz Knapp is local, and he is a multi-instrumentalist, and he works with revolving around feelings of desolation, blending in moments with uh, light and organic sounds, folk traditions. He calls himself his music micro-folk. So I'm just really excited about this experimental music night. Katie Henriksen with Trillium Salon Series. Saturday's free show, though they do always love the donation, will take place within Likewise Community Space in Fayetteville from 7 to 10 p.m. You can register to attend at trilliumsalonseries.com. Another performance this weekend is the Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society's Jazz All-Star Concert taking place at Walton Arts Center. It's the seventh year that NWAJS has hosted area high school musicians to take a deep dive into jazz repertoire to form a big band that rehearses for three months, and it all comes together with this Sunday's performance. 
Here's Robert Ginsberg, Artistic Director with the Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society. And we bring in an internationally known guest artist to work with them. This is the seventh season. Thaden School jumped in as another uh, collaborator with us. So the kids rehearsed up there. They rehearsed at Walton Arts Center. The concert is International Jazz Appreciation Day, April 30th at Walton Arts Center. We have an incredible band this year, Pete. These kids have excelled so amazingly in the repertoire of jazz. We've got some just extraordinary players, and our guest artist is Conrad Herwig, who is a jazz hero. He has toured with everyone from Charles Mingus's uh, big band, Miles Davis, Eddie Palmieri, even people like Elvis Costello and Ricky Lee Jones. Conrad's a trombonist. He's going to work with the kids and then perform with them Sunday at this concert, so we're very excited. Are, are the pieces known before the band is known, or do you kind of look at the band and go, what's best for this band? Pete, that's a great question. The repertoire this year we try to include some of the repertoire of our guest artists. So okay. he sends charts and the kids work on that. But the kids are also doing John Coltrane, um, George Gershwin, and even our conductor, Rick Salonen, who works with the kids, he has done some original composition. So it's a real mix of recognizable things and things people have never heard before arranged for a big band. Very exciting. For more on Sunday's performance, digjazz.com. And remember, you can hear Robert every Friday night at 10 p.m. with his Shades of Jazz program here on KUAF. 43 years that's been on the air. That's truly amazing. And we'll end this week in review with some newcomers. The discussion we had this morning with Community Cat Support Network. This is a relatively new nonprofit working to TNR, that's Trap, Neuter, Return, to help keep the community cat population in check. Here's Jennifer Capps and Kathleen Lehman, co-founders. My mom, when I was a teenager, I grew up in a house full of cats. My mom was a caregiver. She was getting known as the person that collected cats, so people would dump cats on her. But that's where we saw the need. So really, one of the things that's really important about our network is getting people trained so that they can trap. And then we help with the logistics, you know, getting them the appointments, getting them transportation if needed, kind of fill in the gaps where people need the help. Anyone who is willing to learn to trap or is able to volunteer either with that transportation or helping to educate others or even foster, because even though we're not focused on adoption and foster, we know that is a byproduct of the work we do. Kathleen Lehman and Jennifer Capps, Community Cat Support Network currently has a sneaker fundraising drive taking place at the Fayetteville Public Library. For more on that, go online. That's ccsnar.org. More voices from your community coming up next week during the Community Spotlight. That's weekday mornings heard here on Ozarks at Large. Or you can hear these segments at our website, kuaf.com. I'm Pete Hartman. Remember, your voice matters. The Arkansas Razorback baseball team scheduled to continue their three-game series with Texas A&M tonight in Fayetteville. After winning last night, 7-5, the Razorbacks enter this evening's contest 12-7 in the SEC. That's one game out of first place in the conference's West Division. The series with A&M at Bond Stadium scheduled to wrap up then with Game 3 Saturday morning at 11. The number 12 Razorbacks softball team will open a three-game series with number 3 in the country, Tennessee, tomorrow afternoon at 4. That series will continue with games at Bogle Park on Sunday afternoon and Monday night. 
The University of Arkansas Fort Smith baseball regular season comes to a close this weekend in Tyler, Texas. The Lions play the University of Texas at Tyler four times this weekend, beginning this afternoon, to close out the regular season. And the Northwest Arkansas Naturals continue their series at San Antonio tonight. The Nats have dropped two of the first three games in that series. Naturals will return to Arvest Ballpark in Springdale for a six-game set against Wichita beginning Tuesday. That series opens with a rare midweek day game. First pitch Tuesday against Wichita set for 11.05 a.m. I'm Maria Hinojosa, this week on Latino USA, a story from Colombia called Falsos Positivos, false positives about human rights abuses, murder, guerrillas, and the Colombian military. This is one of the worst episodes of mass atrocities in recent decades. That's this week on Latino USA. Latino USA, Sunday afternoon at 3 on 91.3 KUAF. So many good programs on our station the weekend. You can find a complete weekend schedule at KUAF.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bella Vista, and Tahlequah. Contributors today included Anna Pope, Pete Hartman, Michael Tilley, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. Jacqueline Froelich delivered news about the construction of a new transmission line in Carroll County. Our director of community engagement at KUAF is Jasper Logan. Our theme is titled First Rob, written and performed by Daryl Sean. Thanks so much for being with us. Don't forget, we are public radio. We're here for you, and you're here for us. If you would like to contribute to your public radio station, we make it very easy and safe to do. You can go to supportkuaf.com at any time and contribute the amount that makes sense for you. You can also find out much more about becoming a sustaining member at that website. That means you give a little bit every month automatically. Supportkuaf.com, and thank you. I'll be with you Sunday morning at 9 for the next edition of Weekend Ozarks at Large, and we will start a brand new week of daily editions of Ozarks at Large Monday at noon. From the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Have a safe weekend. Talk to you again Sunday morning.